Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lock Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. On this marvelous, glorious uh, autumnal day, the Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the most fascinating people and the wisest advisors in the business community from around our terrestrial orb, I am Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business. And do you know what Donald Trump did right in getting people behind him? You know what he did wrong? Do you know what Hillary did that worked and didn't work? And much, much more important, do you know what leadership elements you need to adopt to make your vision eagerly supported by your team? After all, your life's most important, my friend. So by the great, grave grace of good faith and careful planning, we have with us today one of America's Top leadership analyst, Ms. Rebecca Schombau, consultant uh, on leaders globally, and she has written the books of the leadership secrets of Hillary Clinton, and a much more important book, uh, for me anyway, I consider her most important. It's a book on integrative leadership called Make Room for Her, and she is making room for you, my meteorically rising friend. So listen and learn. And whether you are the head of a uh, major accounting firm like Bill, trying to mold your individual professionals into client-caring human beings, or you're the director of a clothing designer's branding team seeking to, that, to complete that sort of psychological consensus like Claudia, pull your chair up a little closer. Join our Feast of Wisdom, which is all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Becky, I'm so glad that you could take the time to come back here to The Art of the CEO and to tease out the effective and some of the actually kind of stupid leadership attempts made by our candidates in, and also uh, give us some dedicated uh, ideas for the business executives who are trying to muddle their way through leadership on their own. So be kicking right off, I, I'd just like to say that to lead an entire mobile team all across the 50 states of America and to unite them all under your personal banner, this takes more leadership, frankly, than most business executives are, are, are capable. So I, I, I want to say up front that I think both Donald and Hillary were have shown themselves to be extremely capable leaders in that sense. Now, so Becky, uh, could you give us just one or two Two things that that you think, uh, as a leader, led Donald Trump onto victory. Well, well Bart, thank you. It's, it's it's great to be back on the show, and thank you for what oh. you do to push out so much knowledge to uh, so many of our your your uh, listeners. So great to be back. Um, right. Well, That's hey, listen, cut. I think one thing they both have in common there, there there's there's no shortage of their endurance. This was one of the most unprecedented, you know, oh. sort of dynamic. <laughs> yeah. uh, Energizing uh, uh, campaigns, but I'm, we're, I think we're all glad it's, it's they're kind of over. We can move forward, but I think he, here's well, let's talk about Trump. Just you know, in the, in this snapshot of time, 
a lot of fear, a lot of emotion, unknown. Uh, and I, I think, you know, if I can just say it simply, Trump played, his campaign was he played to win. And Hillary mm. played um, to, to get it to, to, to not make mistakes and, and, and to get it just right. So I think even in Obama, if you look at during his time um, and Trump, uh-huh. they came off. Uh, in a hopeful way, in a very undetailed, very sort of a lot of ambiguity of where we're going to be. And they were really talking about the future, and they in- inspire people um, to, to come along based on their bold, broad vision. And, and and you'll notice that they didn't give a lot of the facts and the details, yeah, but they needed yeah. somebody to represent and hold that banner in light of change, um, where Hillary played to, to be right. And she came off to me as a very competent executor with an mm-hmm. a very impressive grasp of the, the political policy you know details and the facts but th- this right. is very common in our research around female leaders they tend right. to not veer off from the facts and the details and what they know uh and it's it's a little bit sometimes risky for them to go away from the, the, those facts and details. Um, and, and so the, that holds them back sometimes from being that visionary leader. Um, and and I, so I think Trump, to some guy, he really played to win uh, in this phase. Now, in this next phase, as they onboard him as presidential candidate, in a presidential you know, individual, we'll see how he plays, right? But I, I, I think Absolutely. in some ways people were ready for that, that visionary leader to step up and to really be bold. Okay, I thank you very much. That's it's a nice uh, crisp analysis, and and I, I think you you've given us some good insights. It's a, a nice sort of tempting nosh to today's feast of wisdom. And so at this point, uh, allow me to fulfill my duties as proper host and lay before you a few utensils for furthering today's feast. And the first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of chief executive officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you think out your principles and then speak your mind, say your beliefs out loud, proudly let the word hear you? Or will you bite your tongue when someone expresses a belief that you think is wrong or false? Just because, well, well, I don't want to offend and I don't want to start an argument. I don't. <clears throat> I'm sorry. The choice is truly yours, my friend. So enough, enough of that. <laughs> Second utensil. You, we, we need to step our, steep our lips and a little laughter here, for heaven's sakes. And take, let's take a scriptural recitation from the 102 best business scripts book. So I am thumbing as we speak. Here we go. Oh, here's here's one. Um, I like this. An ethical business person is one who is currently serving your own self-interest. Now, as an afterthought, comfy as this political belief is, it just ain't so. How well an individual or product serves you is no indication of how well he or she or it will serve humanity. And a crime performed by your company, your friend, your party is still a crime, even if it makes you money. And if you think that this quip was aimed at someone else, <laughs> it's time to put, yank the mode out of your own eye. So, 
If you smirked a bit over this quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com and pick up your copy of 102 Best Business Quips, and you will have yourself a quiver full of agile-minded bits of laughter that are going to lighten the load of the whole chain gang at work. You'll love it. Uh, And as a third utensil, I think perhaps we should appropriately entitle this the bold fat-slashing knife, uh, we're going to proffer you the answer to last week's business quotation, and that is the name of the author who noted uh, entrepreneur is just French for his ideas and does them. (laughs) Those words were spoken uh, by none other than this uh, era's leading internet activist and entrepreneur, Mr. Alex O'Harian. You read his stuff. And later on the show, Blurting Your Way, comes another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble the sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. And if you are correct. Your knowledge will earn you a marvelous gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So, with all our utensils in hand, come on and greedily gobble up the leadership models from Becky Shambo, because above all, my friends, they do work, and they're working for the very best right now. So, uh, Becky, before we leave the politicians to revel in their own tar pit, uh, let's talk sex. I've heard you say that Trump has it took on a, a, a sort of a very masculine style, and Mrs. Clinton took on a, a distaff, more of a woman's style right now. And so my question is, does there is there a gender leadership limit? I mean, must I take on only male models? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think it's a great question, and, and I think we all need to pause about the leadership style. But I, I think great leaders... Um, I think overall on how we coach them in institutions and organizations is to really be able to flex a different style at, at the time that is needed. So I think all leaders should be being sensitized to what is the situation, what is the outcome that they're looking for, and what is the best style to, to lever, to, to, to utilize and to tap on to achieve that. So I think the, the, the larger leadership roles that you have, the more you have to really read the audience, read the folks that you're serving in that situation, and know that you have an arsenal of different styles to really tap on. And 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 so, you know, as we coach women, sometimes it is a masculine, more directive, you know, sort of authoritarian. But sometimes you have to be collaborative. You have to be collusive. So I have to tell you that there's no one right or wrong style. But I think what happened in this race, and, and of course there are a lot of other things that happened, right, right, oh, Bart, sure. in terms of, you know, uh, anecdotal impulsor issues and demographics, but I think that he knew that people were looking for someone who could be inspiring, who could represent hope, who could challenge the status quo and represent the lever of change. And, and so that's what he, where Hiller was pretty much tr- trying to, to – her best, as I wrote this book on leadership secrets of Hillary Clinton, you know, one of her uh-huh. strengths is her high degree of I- being intellectual, almost a policy walk, and, and knows the facts. And she'll go under for a month or a week or two just to study, and, and she will be smarter than anybody in the room. But, but I think what people right. were looking for is to say, I heard you. I'm making that emotional connection to your fear, your concerns. And you know what? Here's what we're going to do about it. Um, and, and I think that's what they were looking for. And, it was, and what we're going to do about it was really looking at disruptive change, things that we were going to take down and rebuild because people were concerned 
about I think of and and you know even speaking for myself the same path and and we sometimes you know our path that what got us here isn't going to work for the future to get us there so I I I think the answer is as great leaders we need to understand that leadership is all about sensing the environment and then being able to know that you have an arsenal of different styles to use and press at different times. So it's it's really understanding your audience, right? And 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 so at this time, I think, you know, like it or not, whatever party you 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 stand for, uh, Trump, I think, read his audience. Um, so and I think it'll be key as he moves into this most important role in our country, which leadership styles he presses as he starts his onboarding, his transition team to now back and starting in January, leading our country. Uh that's very good, and friend, I hope you listen to one uh, one marvelous point that Becky made here. And I'm going to call it. I know it's early, but let's. I'd like to call this a quill pen moment. She has just given a timeless truth. So please dip your pens into the inkwell and scribble this down. That if you are going to lead, you have to remember whom you are leading, and you have to listen to your audience, as she said, and and. Put on the model of leadership that suits them. It's it ain't all about just you. Thank you so much. You, you know, I, I've always felt Becky that that, uh, that as you've said, there are many leadership styles, and I've always seen leadership is sort of a, a lot like playing the piano. It is a learned skill. The military teaches it at every level, and 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 we all. I think there's a tendency to look at, you know, the Alexander the Great and the Franklin Roosevelt's and the Angela Merkel's and say, that, you know, oh, it's it's charisma. But we all have some some charisma. I mean, isn't it uh, isn't it really uh, a matter of the techniques you apply? Am I correct? Yeah, I think leadership. I mean, we get this question a lot: Can you be born leaders? And I think to some degree, maybe you can sort of inherit some DNA. Um, but 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 I, I I look at one word that describes great leaders, and that's having a growth mindset. So you could have what we call a fixed mindset, right, where you don't step out of your comfort zone, you don't take new opportunities and challenges, and you may not necessarily know or understand your strengths and how you can continue to expand and grow those. But those leaders who have been successful. Not only have a growth mindset, taking those risks, taking opportunities and roles that you know what never thought about, or may not be 100% qualified for, but but they go into those because they they believe the opportunity, they believe they can do it, and they have a strong a strong support system around them as well. And this yeah, is interesting yeah. that if you look at research from a gender perspective, men generally will have to only check off nine of excuse me four of ten boxes to take a job that they're underqualified for. But guess how many boxes <laughs> women need to check off? Nine of ten. So this is oh this God. is where men really do demonstrate sometimes, and maybe an overconfident growth mindset. They may need to come back to reality a little bit. But but I think that, that hinders great leaders from really growing. And then, then creating a culture of a growth mindset. So minimizing the fear, allowing people to speak up, take those risks, right, and not being – sort of over-ridiculed if they make a mistake or don't get it 100% the first time. So I think that growth mindset is is, is actually, uh, from a neuroscience perspective, is the more that you can take a broader risk, color outside the lines, maybe take an opportunity that is a different exposure you're not qualified for, the more you develop that muscle basically in your brain and you become more confident, you become more competent. Give us, Becky. Give us a good example of someone that you've seen 
mm-hmm. with that growth mindset of who's in, in a specific situation. Well, I look at historically a pattern of female leaders uh, and men leaders, mm-hmm. for that matter, who have become uh, C-suite or executives. You look at Mary Barra, Annie Mahaney from uh-huh. Xerox. They started right. sort of from the ground, you know, in production and worked their way up. But they interviewed for opportunities, but promotional opportunities. But that first, that second time, they were turned down by because they felt like the male colleagues had better experience. Or in that time, you know, Annie, you know, at, at Xerox was in sales. Well, she's not going to want to travel. She has a family and things along those lines. But you know what they did? You know, Mary Barra came into a difficult time when there was a crisis at GM, but she was given the job as the CEO right when it was about ready to fall down because of these major quality issues. Well, you know what? They were persistent. They kept up moving through in these deep valleys, and they believed in themselves, and they wouldn't give up until they got these jobs um, to, and to prove themselves. So, And they went into roles that necessarily they hadn't been trained to move into, but they knew that they could do it. And they had a strong support system of, of allies, of coaches and, and, and mentors, and a strong, diverse leadership team eventually when they got to those roles that could fill in the gaps where they necessarily didn't have that subject matter expertise, but really balanced out the thinking and the perspectives that was needed to be you know, you know, successful. So they moved out of those roles, didn't have to check nine boxes, well, just didn't, you know, to, to move into the opportunities where the business was really going to be impacted. And and that, to me, is what we see as a growth mindset. I see what you're talking about. That's an excellent idea. And I think that most of us really do not, uh, by nature, have that uh, growth mindset. But it is, again, it is a technique and it is a skill you can develop. And I like the way you talked about how it's the support team. I, I know my wife and I uh, have, a, have a marvelous support team. We get together to make a decision. We argue. Uh, one of us says, I'm sorry. Lorraine says, that's all right. And we make a decision. It works very well. Um, and if you've just joined us, you're listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download it by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's T-H-E-A-R-T-O-F-T-H-E-C-E-O.com. And we hope that you will find what you're looking for to make your careers thrive. Uh, Becky, you were, were talking about the support team. Uh, that a leader needs to develop. Now, I know that, that you have become quite renowned and, and sought after because of your technique of, of what you call leadership by inclusion. I, I mean, most of us say, well, I'm an inclusive person. What, what, what are you talking about when you say leadership by inclusion? Well, I, you know, I think it's simply stated that it's, it, it's making sure that you have all voices on deck, right? It's about having all perspectives and thinking, around you, whether you are in a leadership team or an organization or you're, you're just your colleagues and peers, to really represent the kind of broad you know, thinking um, and intelligence we need in today's different times. Uh, you, know, you know, as I mentioned, what got us here is not going to get us there. So, you know, you think about it, you know, Bart, if we just surround ourselves with, with people who think like us, act like us, you know, which we tend to do, research says, we get us. And so... That that can be very very limiting, and if you look at institutions and corporations, it's even more important. And and in some that we work with, an imperative to have a diverse workforce um, that mirrors their customers, their stakeholders, right? Um, the people that they serve. 
Uh, and if we can't do that, it's very difficult to deliver the right solutions and uh, really build those stronger ties and, and, and relationships that that we need to really thrive in today's environment. So, but here's the thing: it's like you know when you bake a cake, you can have a lot of diverse ingredients, but unless you stir it up and, and, and you know sort of start blending everything together, which we call inclusion, you're not going to have right. a very good cake, are you? So, so diversity is 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 nothing really without including or integrating or blending those diverse ideas together to yield something greater. I, I like the way you're saying it because I think many people can bring voices onto the board or onto the team, but they don't, uh, by human nature, some will gush out their ideas uh, until you really would like to, to hand them a, a rolled-up sock, But the and, and others you have to lead out. Give uh, one or two techniques about uh, bringing out the best ideas, not just having them there in the room, but bringing out fresh ideas from people. Give, uh, one or two tips on that. Well, I'll tell you the biggest obstacle, the biggest obstacle, and sometimes it's unintentional, is our, our own personal bias. So we have a lens, you know, and we see things a certain way based on our experiences, our exposure, our affiliations. And, and so sometimes that gets in the way uh, of a viewing or appreciating or valuing somebody else's different perspective. It could even be a different spot, you know, a style of how they communicate, explain things, how they make decisions. So we hear a lot, for example, women tend to be more consensus-driven. They tend to collaborate or bring in other people's ideas and then sort of then synthesize that and then make a decision. Where, where sometimes men just say, hey, net it out, make a decision, and let's move on. So here's here's a difference in style that you need both. But we hear over and over again that, you know, women say, well, men just aren't listening to our view. They only give us 30 seconds, and then they sort of shut down. Or men will say she's not strategic enough. She doesn't make the right decisions, doesn't seem to really um, have a sense of authority and confidence. When, when in essence, they are making a decision, it's the process of how you make those. So, look, if, if everybody has a brain, and the studies will say if you have a brain, then you have a bias. So I think it's, it's really to stop, and I always just say put the pause button on, and to ask yourself if you're surrounding or interacting with somebody different than you, pay attention to your own conscious belief systems and your own internal narrative. Are you embracing and being open to their different viewpoints? Are you are you not including or including them possibly as being somebody on your team that might just bring a different perspective that you might really need uh, for better thinking in a broader, more balanced way? So I think those are just some simple things you can do. And then I think as leaders and managers is to hold in your team accountable, right, for creating that culture to making sure that all voices are in deck and making sure that all all views and different views are appreciated and, and you know, and, and valued. You know, there was some inter- interesting study that Google did um, around inclusion um, and the power of inclusion. And they, what I love is they simply defined – Inclusion is the psychological safety to every team member, meaning that there's a mutual <laughs> respect. Yeah, a mutual respect right. from everybody that allows an, an atmosphere of empathy and trust. So think about that. One of the biggest I, I obstacles. I think you're right, Becky. But I'm gonna I'm gonna butt in here for it because I, I've got to say I think that it's it's nice to want to include them. It's nice to be open. But I would, I, as a leader, I would go one further. You have to encourage people to bring up their ideas it's not enough because there's a lot of people who if it's open and easy 
air will drift in. But you don't want air to drift. You want to pump it. You want to be show yourself as a leader to be desperate for ideas and desperate for your idea, Henrietta, and yours, yours, Charles, and so forth. Um, I'm right now. We have we've more than passed our midway point, so I'm, I'm going to uh, cut off. Uh, going to take a brief break of, of a short survey um, and introduce you to the company by whose good graces we're here today, and that is Prometheus Publishing, the creator of, among other divisions, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. We and Prometheus invites you to visit the online bookstore at bartsbooks.com, B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. Browse its store, let your fingers stroll through the previews, and find such books as uh, Leadership Secrets of Hillary Clinton by Becky and Dale Caldwell's Intelligent Influence, Stephen Payne's uh, really soul-searching, The Joy of Work, many, many others, uh, and uh, while your fingers are clicking and pulsating on bartsbooks.com, don't forget to give yourself the gift of a little laughter. Click on that little blue mailbox, and you will get a sly and unsubtle wellspring of laughter from a weekly quip. And um, if you want to learn more about Becky and many of the and, and our other guests, please do not forget to visit our website, theartoftheceo.com. And there you can find the show's profiles, uh, where our guests are speaking, and get to know them a, a little better. And uh, speaking of speaking and leading a little more deeply, let's uh, return uh, to Ms. Becky Shambon and continue the elements that, that we really need to be adopting in our leadership quiver. Um, Becky, if I, if I want to be... Uh, an inclusive leader, and I want to bring in the full array of talents, um, but I'm finding that, that they don't play well in the same sandbox. How how should I be setting up my sandbox better so that people play better in it? Well, I think a couple things. I, I think we have to examine our own um, uh, network, our own teams, and making sure that we have that diverse balance. But you know, once again, making sure that hmm. you're creating a free flow of, of all voices on deck and that you set that expectation with those. And, and you know, if, if someone's not speaking up, the managers, leaders have that accountability to making sure their voice is heard. Oh, Sarah, wait a minute. What I think someone interrupted you, you know, share what that perspective was because I think it's important for everybody to hear. So I think that that goes in hand. But I, uh-huh. here's how I, we coach members or associates or, or people that their voice needs to be heard. And sometimes they don't speak up because they're, overthinking it, they may offend somebody or their view is different. Um, they may see things a slightly different way or they're more senior than me, right? So why would they want to hear me? There's all kinds of narratives, right, Bart, on that. So I, right, here's how right. I frame it up. <laughs> if you are invited to a conference call, right, or a meeting, there's an expectation right. and a desire that you have something to share, a different view and experience that we need to integrate into the conversation. And great leaders insert those people in because they like debate. They like the diverse spectrum of different views, you know, firing across the table to really making sure they're making that informed decision. So we have a responsibility to do our homework, to come prepared, I always say, before these meetings or calls, to share one view, one perspective, one insight, ask one important question that may stir some different ways of thinking about something uh, versus 
the whole hour and you haven't said anything, then then what happens is then you leave people sitting in that meeting or on that call an opportunity to shape and form an assumption about you, around your brand, mm. around your thought leadership contributions that may not be aligned with what it is or what you want that to be. So it's important that we harness that and influence that ourselves, and that the best way is by showing up and having our voice heard so it connects to the dots of all the people and what's important to them as well. And that gets back to doing our homework. So, right. But I, I think it's a two-way street. We as leaders, managers, have to create what we call that psychological safety. That even if you say nice. something that's counter to what the leader said, it's okay. It's just a different view. Right. And I think that's important that we want to have it in, in, encouraged. I, I think, and I'm glad that you're you're bringing that up. Um I've always felt that uh, I've always made the recommendation to people when you're going into a meeting or a conference call to just take a quick look at the agenda and scribble down one quick point on each one. We're talking a five-minute, even that sort of prep. Is that is that the kind of thing that you would suggest? Well, I think it's understanding first your audience. I mean, when I engage in a conversation we're coaching people, there are three ways to think about it. Number one, if, if you're meeting or briefing executives, they want to hear it in a slightly different way. They want to, they want to know not the details of how you built the watch, but how that impacts right. the business objectives. They don't want to go through all the details. You have to kind of net it out, right? When you're talking right. to your peers, your team, that's a different conversation. So I think it's understanding your audience, the style that you evoke, and the amount of information that you share, right, that depends upon what they want to hear, what they don't want to hear. So I think it's doing our homework, but I also have to think back on what is that one unique perspective or view that you have that others around the table might not have. And if you don't share it, then it's a missing part of the puzzle. So I think we have to think through, gosh, I'm in engineering, I'm in operations. Everyone else is going to be here in sales and and general legal. And what do I have that's unique and different that they don't have that they need to know? So think about your organization or team as a kind of a connected ecosystem or puzzle. If one aspect of that puzzle, one view or thought is missing, then you know we're, we're not balanced in terms of yielding, you know, that sort of better outcome. I think for all of us. So I think we have to kind of look at that as our responsibility to be an important part of that puzzle. I think if you view yourself with having the real value and, uh, as you say, then putting up and seeing where that marvelous value proposition that is you uh, would would be would best fit, it uh, you will be a much better contributor, and, as you say, your own brand will come forward. Uh, anyway, just, uh, we're coming to the end, but I want to know, Who's doing it right? What are organizations, uh, just one organization perhaps, that, that you know who has really integrated its leadership and is, and is handling it well that we might know? I get that question a lot, Bart. Now, here, here's, here's the good news. I think everybody is waking up to the fact that this is the direction. I mean, you know, when you think about it, right. 50% of the workforce of the millennials, and this is the way they think and the kind of cultures they're looking for. Uh, in, in terms of who's doing it right, I guess you could look to Silicon Valley. On to say uh-huh. that they are, they've kind of started with this kind of a platform. Um, there are younger, sort of generally organizations who have started in a much more flatter sort of organizational structure, much more inclusive. They have a hybrid of a variety of different generations, including a lot of the younger generation. 
which are really calling for this. So I think you have to go and do your research and maybe to look at what's happening in Silicon Valley, their, their leadership and the inclusive strategies they're putting in place. But I think that if there's no one right way, you have to address your environment, you know, your demographics and the customers you serve, and then take that template and then customize something that's going to be most useful for, for you. But make it an imperative that we all need to be on board around this type of work, right, and this kind of culture and leadership. And, and if you do, um, studies will say that you're going to be much more successful much more profitable and the kind of company oh, yeah. that today's workforce want to work for. Oh, I think you're right. I, I know I I've, I am a, I agree with you and I like the idea of the flat organizations. I believe that pyramids are great. Pyramids are impressive, but they house only the dead and that a flatter organization that, that is becomes more inclusive. Becky, could you tell us uh, if if I need to get some really good leadership coaching or uh, I need to know uh, to go to to, head, to hire uh, a speaker on leadership, how can folks get in touch with you? You can just uh, go to our website at www.shambaughleadership.com and there's an info.com or you can just certainly email me at uh, rshambaugh at shambaughleadership.com. Love to hear from folks. All righty. I thank you very much. Oh, and by the way, where can they get uh, your books? Oh, listen, thank you for that. Yeah, just yeah, go on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com, and uh, it, it's not a glass ceiling; it's a sticky four, which is the the first one, and then I love leadership secrets of Hillary Clinton, and then um, make room for her: why companies need integrative leadership, which is really around the inclusive leadership model. Yeah, yeah. All right, I thank you very much, and I hope that uh, you will go out there and uh, take advantage of one of these books because this is the, we all need to lead ourselves as well as others around us, and here are some excellent ways to do it. Becky, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on. Always a pleasure, Bart. Okay. And so as we round out today's Feast of Wisdom, I want you to know I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. That is, who is it who said, no wealth can ever make a bad man at peace with himself? And as a hint, the individual who spoke this was a philosopher's student under one of the wisest gentlemen who ended his life by taking hemlock but paying back his chicken that he owed his friend. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, just scribble it down as you believe him or her to be and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com and to win an absolutely power-thrusting, career-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And do tune in next week to The Art of the CEO because we are going to bring you some very applicable business tools that are going to make you impossible to ignore from the memorable cognitive scientist Carmen Simon. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, isn't it amazing uh, how the grandest visions flourish when planted in the hard bedrock of moral principle rather than the overwatered swamp of peer praise and adulation. And to you who have gleefully shared our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the art of the CEO as much as Becky and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And to you who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.